has anything to do with uh, the cooler temperatures uh, that we're experiencing or, I don't know, Saturday. I mean, what a glorious day yesterday was as college football returned. Um, But uh, hey, we are in um, the New Testament part of our series called Storyline. And and today we're going to look at uh, the introduction to the sermon on the Mount. And, and the Sermon on the Mount is basically, you know, Jesus lays out this blueprint uh, for a new society. And Jesus says to us, he says, if you want to know the meaning of life, uh, if you want to know your purpose in life, he's, he basically says, follow me. Um, and, and what it means for us as we read this passage, if, if, if we really want to know the meaning of life, if we really want to know why we're here and our purpose, then we need to kind of let go of the things that we think are important. And we need to pick up and embrace the things that Jesus actually says are important. And if we were to, you know, read the whole passage, and I want to encourage you to do that this week, it's uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Um, if you read the whole passage, um, what, we're, what we would find, find is that Jesus says, not only am I the meaning of life, uh, or not only does he have the meaning of life, but that he is the meaning of life. And Jesus says, I'm not just another teacher with a, you know, a, a, an ethical uh, framework in which to do life that you can pick and choose from. But Jesus says that I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father. In other words, no one has forgiveness of sins. No one can enter into heaven, into the kingdom of God, uh, only through faith in him is what he says. And so this morning, we're going to see three things in this passage about those who follow Jesus. And let me just give them to you up front, and then we'll, uh, we'll unpack them as we go along. But three things that we see this morning is we see the essence of our humanity. Okay, we're going to see that, what that is. The essence of our humanity, the character of our community, and the source of our joy. So we have the essence of our humanity. We have the character of our community, and we have the source of our joy where we're going this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you brought those with you, I want to uh, encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Matthew chapter 5. If you didn't bring your Bibles, we're going to put it up on the, uh, up on the screen. But Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. And let me just kind of read these first 12 verses. Let's kind of set the table for us this morning. Um, so Jesus says, uh, and we'll start in verse 3. Uh, he says, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they are, will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, so the, let's just talk about the essence of, of humanity for a moment. I mean, Jesus begins each one of these statements with the word blessed. I mean, he says blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. And this word literally means happy, okay? That when, what, what the word that he uses literally means happy. Now, when we think about our own happiness, when we think about what makes us happy, it's kind of fleeting, right? The things that make us happy. I mean, for instance, when the Longhorns win, I'm happy, okay? 
when they lose, I'm unhappy. And I've been unhappy a lot for the last 15 years, okay? But I, I think the tide is turning. Uh, but, but I'm definitely not as unhappy as the horn frogs this morning, okay? Uh, I, and I'm definitely not as unhappy as the Baylor Bears this morning. And we're not even going to talk about the Red Raiders. So, uh, but uh, the only thing would have been made it a perfect Saturday if the Aggies would have lost. I mean, that would have been a perfect Saturday for me. I know, I know. Uh, but, uh, but when we think about the things that make us happy, it's kind of fleeting because our happiness so many times depends on, uh, on outward circumstances. And a lot of times we have no control over those. But that's not what Jesus had in mind when he's talking about you and I and, and this, this blessed state, this happiness. But blessed, it, it refers to happiness in the divine. Okay, it's a happiness in the divine. Now, Aristotle talked about this, okay, in his writings. And Aristotle said that this was the highest form of joy that anybody could obtain, is being happy in the divine. But Aristotle taught that this state of joy, this, this level of joy was only reserved for those individuals that were, uh, that were wealthy enough and uh, had enough money and had enough privilege and had enough influence that nothing can harm them. But here Jesus says this state of joy, this state of happiness, happiness in the divine is available to any of us. And he says, if you and I, if we want this deep soul rest, if we want this unspeakable joy, if we want this transcendent peace that passes all understanding, Jesus says you must Follow me. Because every single one of us, we want joy. That's the essence of humanity. I mean, we want to have joy. And the problem is we just don't know how to get it. And our souls, they're too complex to be satisfied with the things that this world has to offer. And so Jesus says, hey, listen, there's a lot of ways to pursue joy in life, but there's only one way to get it. And that's to follow me. And so the essence of our humanity is to have joy, is to find joy in life. And the only way that we can truly find joy is to follow Jesus. So that's the essence of our humanity. Now let's talk about the character of our community. That what do people uh, who, who have this deep, lasting joy, what do, what do they look like? What do they act like, you know, Monday through Friday? What are they, you know, what are their lives about when, when no one else is looking? What are their lives about when they're surrounded by people? And, well, Jesus tells us in these verses, he says, hey, they're, they're poor in spirit. We'll talk about that in just a moment. He says they're meek. In other words, they're gentle in their dealings with other people. They pursue righteousness. They're, they're peacemakers. And if you and I, if we're going to have this kind of joy, if we're going to find this kind of purpose and meaning in our lives to the degree that our lives look like these few verses, to that degree, we will find joy and purpose in our lives. That, that's basically what these verses are about. To the degree that our lives resemble, look like, embrace these few verses, to that degree, we will have this joy that Jesus is talking about and we'll have this purpose that no one else can give us. 
And so the characteristics of our community, the characteristics of people who follow Jesus, the characteristics of people who have this joy and this purpose are threefold. Let me give them to you. The, 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 the characteristics of community are counterintuitive, costly, and confrontational. They're counterintuitive, costly, and confrontational. And yes, I worked very hard to make those all start with C, okay? So, so let's just talk about what this means. So let's, let's talk about how this community that we're a part of is counterintuitive. Look at verses three through four. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In, in other words, we, we have to declare spiritual bankruptcy. Now, I'm not talking about declaring it the way Michael Scott declares bankruptcy in the office. I mean, when he just walks out, he realizes he doesn't have any money. And he says, I declare bankruptcy. You know, that's how he thinks he can do it. Uh, but no, we, we can't just say it with our mouths. We have to embrace it with our lives. We have to embrace that we are spiritually bankrupt. In other words, we have to declare that I can't make it on my own. We have to declare that. We have to believe that. We have to embrace that. We have to embrace that uh, I don't have what it takes. We have to embrace that, you know, I can't solve my own problems. We have to embrace I'm not in control of my own destiny. That is so counterintuitive, right? I mean, who wants to admit and say those kinds of things? I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine going on a job interview? All right? And the person conducting the interview, she says, hey, what makes you an ideal candidate for this job? And you just led with, well, you know, just to be honest with you, ma'am, I, I don't have what it takes. Okay? In fact, I cannot solve my own problems. I mean, I, I, I think you're going to get the speech, hey, you know, don't call us, we'll call you kind of deal, right? I mean, could you imagine guys being on a first date? And uh, she says, hey, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. And, and, and you led with, well, first of all, I cannot make it on my own. Okay? I mean, I'm just going to tell you that up, up front, not to disappoint you. And I am in no way in control of my own destiny. I mean, she is not calling you or texting you back. I promise you that. I mean, it is so counterintuitive for us to admit our weaknesses. But we have to... We have, if we want to experience this joy and this, this peace and this purpose that Jesus offers us, we have to declare our spiritual bankruptcy that we have to, because our biggest problem, our biggest problem is not material, okay? Our, our biggest problem is not emotional. Our biggest problem is not financial. Our biggest problem is not psychological. Our biggest problem is spiritual. And our deepest need at the core level of, uh, that you and I have, our deepest need is the need for forgiveness of sin. That's what we need the most. And we need, and Jesus says we need to mourn that. In other words, we need to embrace it to the level that we mourn, that we take full responsibility for the hopeless situation that we have put ourselves in because of our sin, and we've willingly done that to ourselves. That we put ourselves in a hopeless situation spiritually. And we've talked about this before. You know, we're not in a bad spot when it comes to 
our spiritual lives. We're in a hopeless spot because of sin. We can't pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We can't be good enough. We can't tilt the scales our way to get God to, you know, get in on our deal and kind of look the other way because of all of other sin. We're in a hopeless situation. We're spiritually bankrupt. And unless we mourn that, unless we embrace that, the reality of our depravity, the reality of our spiritual bankruptcy, we will never experience the comfort, the grace the joy and the purpose that God extends to us through Jesus Christ. So the first characteristic of of those who follow Jesus, it's counterintuitive. And I'm sure as Jesus is preaching this, just kind of, there's a few people in the crowd that are just getting up and saying, man, I didn't sign up for this. There's no way I'm admitting that. There's no way I'm embracing that about me because my parents have told me my whole life, I can be anything I want to if I just work hard enough and I know that I'm gonna be a professional baseball player. I just know I'm gonna be a point guard. You know, I mean, Asher, you know, my my eight-year-old, he wants to, you know, he goes, you know, dad, I just wanna be a cornerback. And I'm like, buddy, you are not built for speed. You're built for comfort, okay? Um, We just gotta dash those hopes right now, you know? But it's counterintuitive. So the second, the second characteristic of these, this group of people that want to pursue Jesus is that it's costly. Look at verses 5 through 9. It said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. See, Jesus basically just gives us our mission statement. And he, and he says that you and I are to go out and we are to serve people around us so that we don't get any glory. In other words, we don't get any credit for what we do. We don't get any attention, but yet all the credit, all the glory, all the attention goes to God. I mean, that, again, that's counterintuitive, and now we're getting costly. Because, I mean, let's just be honest. And when we do something nice for someone, we want them to say, thank you. All right? And, the, I mean, there's... And, and, and to beat that, you know, out of us, God gives us teenagers, you know? Do something nice for them. It's like, hey, you, you know, you just met the expectation, the requirement. But, um, but here's the deal. That's so counterintuitive. And Jesus goes on. If we keep reading chapter 5, we get to verse 16. And he says, let your light shine before men so that when men see your good deeds, they will glorify your Father in heaven. See, we have to identify with Jesus so closely, so, so closely that, that, that his mission becomes our mission. His priorities become our priorities. And, and then we start to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I mean, to be merciful means to, that you and I look for opportunities to alleviate the pain and suffering of those around us. And sometimes that's of great cost to us, right? I mean, sometimes people are in need around us and we'll go and we'll meet that need. But when we do so, it means we got to sacrifice something over here. Maybe it's worth sacrificing a, a night out. You know, we're going to eat at home because we're taking care of this need over here for our neighbors. 
Or, hey, we're going to put off this expense because, hey, we're meeting this need and it's costing us something. But Jesus says, hey, that's what you're signing up for. It's costly to follow me. It's costly to, but, but remember, this isn't about us. It's about the kingdom. And when we sign up to be a part of that, it brings us joy and purpose. And the last quality, the last characteristic of this group of people that follow Jesus, that it's confrontational. Look at, look at verses 10 through 12. And Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you. So, so if we, if we want to kind of do a checklist of, hey, how am I doing? Well, when was the last time we were insulted for making church a priority? In our lives? When was the last time we were insulted for standing up for our faith? Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, or falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Oh, not because of anything you've done, but because of your stance for me, because of your relationship with me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, there's this clash of culture. This clash of culture. Culture tells us to put ourselves what? First. Culture tells us that you and I have the authority to decide what's right and what's wrong. Culture tells us that, that you and I, we have more authority than, this, than, than the Bible. Because culture says, oh, just pick and choose what you think is right or wrong. Culture tells us to experience as much pleasure as we possibly can. Culture tells us to accumulate as much power and wealth as we possibly can. And Jesus calls us to live a completely different way. Which means we, we may never really get that promotion because of our relationship with Jesus. You know, we may never really be included in that group of friends. We may be constantly left out. We, we, we may spend yet another Friday night in the dorm. We may, we may never be uh, fully understood. We may never get married. We may never agree with our family because we will not compromise the standards that Jesus has given us. And then Jesus says that the only path to heaven is him. How exclusive is that? That he's the only way. Not all, all paths lead to heaven. He's the only way that leads to heaven. But then, then he says, but anyone... Anyone, doesn't matter what you've done in the past, anyone can come if you put your faith in me. How inclusive is that? There's this confrontation of culture. And so let's talk about this source of joy that you and I have. So Jesus, he says, blessed are you when you're persecuted, when people speak insults, when they lie about you. And then he has the audacity to say, oh, but rejoice and be glad. So two things that help us with our joy, the essence of humanity. And the first one is that we need to find joy in our relationship with Jesus. Now think about this for a moment. 
the creator of the universe. I mean, think about what, what, what is it in nature that just brings awe to you? Is it, is it the mountains of Colorado? Is it standing on the sand uh, on the shore of, of a vast ocean? Is it being out in, in the middle of nowhere and looking up and seeing stars and stars and stars, more stars? What, what in nature causes you to stop and say, wow. The God who created that knows your name. And that should bring us joy. I mean, think about it. Put, let's, let's scale it down like a billion times. Have you ever been somewhere where nobody knows your name? You got invited to a party or your kid got invited to a party and you had to take them and you didn't know anybody or you got invited to this event and, and the community and you didn't know anybody uh, or, or you, knew, you, know, you knew the person putting on the event or you knew the person throwing the party, but you didn't know anybody else. And you walk in, you're kind of feeling a little insecure and am I in the right place? And I don't know about this and I should have you know, said I'm busy, but you walk in and, and you don't know a soul in the place, but then out of the middle of nowhere, from, you know, from the other side of the event hall, from the other side of the living room, from the other side of the restaurant, the host of the party says, Jeff, you made it. Ah, oh, come here. I want to introduce you around. I mean, how much confidence does it give us? How much joy does it give us that just one person knows our name and it's the person in charge? Now multiply that times affinity and that's what should give us joy is that the creator of the universe knows our name and through faith in Jesus Christ, we have a relationship with him that nothing can break. Jesus says, hey, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's how precious you are to me. Everything in life is temporary. Everything in life. I mean, think about it. Our, our, Our youth our youthful appearance, our youthful looks, one day, hey, that's going to be gone. One day, our hair is going to turn gray or it's going to turn loose. No offense, guys. It's temporary. All of our money, I mean, we can't take it with us, so we're either going to give it to our kids or we're going to spend it all on us. It's probably not a bad thing. Think about every friendship you have. I mean, I don't say this to be dark, but but every friend that we ever have, either they're going to either move away or we're going to move away or we're going to be at their funeral or they're going to be at ours. The only relationship we have that's permanent, that nothing can take away from us, is our relationship with Jesus. And and in our relationship with Jesus, we have all the acceptance and approval and significance and joy and security and hope and love that we need now and for all eternity. So that's the first thing we have. We can take joy. And the second thing is the cross. Ben, why don't you guys come? Because I'm going to be very brief in this. And we'll, we'll come around this song, come around this point with a song. But uh, we, t- we can take joy in taking up the cross daily in our lives. I mean, we say this all the time, but just think about the joy behind this, that, that Jesus came to live the life we can't live. And he came to die the death that we deserve. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't want fair. 
I want mercy. I don't want to have to pay for the things I've done. I want somebody else to pay for the things I've done. And Jesus did that. And we can have joy in that. Just going through the Beatitudes, going through this, these few verses. See the joy in each of these statements. That Jesus became poor. In other words, he left heaven so that you and I could go to heaven. Oh, the joy. That Jesus had to experience deep mourning so that you and I could be comforted in our mourning. That Jesus had to suffer injustice so that you and I could experience grace. That Jesus had to take on our unrighteousness so that we could be made righteous in him. That Jesus had to be treated without mercy so that you and I can be shown mercy. That Jesus had to be rejected by God so that you and I could be accepted by God. That Jesus had to die so that you and I can live. And when we take up his cross and we experience this great joy that no bad circumstance can take away, no defeat of any football team can take away, that we have this sense of purpose that even if things aren't working out the way I want them to work out, I still have purpose and meaning in life because my, I've identified myself so closely with Jesus that, that his mission is my mission. That's what we get to sign up for. And I, I don't want to kid you, it, it, there are days that it's difficult. There are times that God calls us to some things that we don't want to let go of the joy that follows that it's unbelievable let's pray Father God thank you so much so much for this moment and Jesus thank you for, for for taking on our sin so that we can take on your righteousness that we can embrace forgiveness and so Father I, I pray for my friends here that that each day we would line ourselves up with your mission and that we would make it our mission to go out and alleviate the pain and suffering in our community. And we would do so in such a way that we don't get the credit as individuals, we don't get the credit as a church, but God, everybody looks to you and says, wow, what a God they may have. What a God they serve. I wanna know more. So God, let us do that. Let us be about that. Pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship.